China has a lot of people involved in Canada that is trying to gain access and influence to your government. And they've been very effective. And I worry they're going to be more effective the longer that uh, Mr. Trudeau remains in power and that his party does. I am a husband, a father, a lawyer, a Christian, and a proud Canadian. I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth. Not just another biased narrative, but real information of substance. We need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gray Matter. Well, as every Canadian knows, or every, everyone in Canada should know, uh, China ha has become an, an infiltration force in our, in our political structures, in really all of our institutions. And this is a matter of grave concern. In fact, uh, there's going to be a public inquiry at some point now in Canada, now that our rapporteur, our special rapporteur, has resigned. Uh, but so we thought it would be useful to have someone on the show who knows a lot about China. And we've been able to do that. Uh, we have uh, Brandon Weikert on the program, and he is a specialist in this area, a geopolitical analyst who's written a really, really fascinating book that I highly recommend. It's called Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. And you could substitute life for everything uh, because the book goes, goes well beyond just the, the you know, DNA and the science of it. Uh, so welcome to the program, Brandon. It's great to have you on Gray Matter today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here, and and thank you for you're you're correct in your assessment that it is more than life. It's it's the entire world that they want to control in China. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get into it, and uh, we're going to introduce you properly. Before we do that, on our program, we do something a little bit different. We have some framing aphorisms, and uh, I think you'll probably appreciate these. Uh, they've been selected in your honor. Uh, the first one is from uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, who said, well, in, in, in Chinese, and I, I expect this has been translated, uh, if the machinery for distribution in the present economic system of the world is incapable of properly distributing the productive wealth of nations, then that system is false and must be altered. Uh, secondly, Vladimir Putin, uh, who said, uh, of course, again, in Russian translated, people are always teaching us democracy, but the people who teach us democracy don't want to learn it themselves. Uh, we conclude Justin Trudeau in that one. And then finally, uh, Donald Trump, who is the subject of uh, one of your books, um, who said, we should have a new force called the Space Force. It's mm -hmm. like the Army and the Navy, but for space, because we're spending a lot of money on space. That's sort of a typical Donald Trump soundbite. So who do we have in the show today? Well, it's, it's Brandon Weikert. He is a prolific writer who is a contributing editor to, editor to American Greatness, the Asia Times, and the Washington Times. He's a former congressional staffer who holds an MA in Statecraft and National Security Affairs from the Institute of World Politics in Washington, D.C., and he manages the Weikert Report, World News Done Right. I like that name. He splits his time between sunny south, so, southwest Florida, where he is today, and bucolic northern Virginia. Uh, he's also the author of Biohack. This is one of the books that he's written that we're going to talk about today. Biohack, China's Race to Control Life. So, Brandon, I know this isn't your first book, but what was it that drew you to this particular topic? Why did you write this book? It's a personal connection to me. So, first of all, my wife um, is a geneticist by training. Uh, she worked at National Institute of Health. 
she uh, was part of the chain of command with uh, Francis Collins and and Anthony Fauci. Um, and uh, so there's that. Also, um, I do a lot of consulting work for the Defense Department, the U.S. Defense Department, specifically the Air Force. And I r really talk to them about geotechnology, so the confluence of new high technology and how it's going to impact international security. Um, <clears throat> and biotech was one of the things that I always talked about. And it was just something that always interested me. Uh, and then lastly, I, I suffer from a very severe autoimmune disease. And so I have a lot of dealings with the medical community on a personal ba basis. So those three factors really made this sort of a personal journey uh, for me. Um, and the, the experience of COVID-19, I know it was, I know I have a couple of friends from Canada who say that you think you had it bad in America with the lockdowns, try sitting in Canada during the uh -huh. lockdown. So I know that there were, there were, there, Canada had it worse in many respects, but uh, here in America, we, we really did not handle the disease very well. And I wanted to know why it happened. And I wanted to understand how our government and our institutions could be uh, so uh, improper in their use of force against their own people. And so that was sort of the genesis yeah. of this book. Yeah. So uh, there's the part about what China did, which is becoming more and more well known. I think now everybody realizes or should realize is that, that uh, you know, not this... everybody. Well, they should, they should know <laughs> that this thing came from a lab in China. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, everybody except Anthony Fauci knows that, it seems. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, your book was somewhat unique in the way it got into the sort of appalling, egregious way that, uh, that, that China's rulers uh, sought to cover this up. That's one part of it. Yeah. And then the other part of it is the way that the, those are, are, are rulers, our experts in the West, bought into this. That, that all of this that was was really egregious. Were you surprised when you did when you did your research? Sort of the extent of that 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 uh, that in the West we participated in China's plan. Yeah, um, it didn't surprise me necessarily. It was more appalling, and it was sort of a letdown because you have to understand. Not only does my wife actually spend years working at that institution in the NIH. Um, I spent a long time in government as well, and I can tell right. you horror stories of how incompetent our government is. But it's one thing to say we're incompetent, and that's just part of life. But it's another thing when you look at it and you go, my goodness, there were very imp important and powerful entities within our government that were actually engaged in what looks like a cover-up um, to, to cover up to shield their culpability uh, in, uh, in, in what were really risky experiments, particularly with COVID-19, with coronavirus research. Uh, but more generally, they're, they're continuing and have continued to do risky research with a, a whole plethora of different aspects of biotechnology in China. And when I asked, uh, and I quote him from an article that he was, uh, he was involved with, uh, the leading Stanford, uh, bioethicist who's one of these legendary figures uh in the american medical community he's quoted in my book right. basically saying that hey um yeah we have the hippocratic oath which is the first do no harm as medical practitioners and uh researchers but the trump card with that there's a there's a caveat the trump card is always cures and so while we're going to not do harm we will happily uh, partner with a country like China that will do harm. We won't participate directly in those experiments. We'll fund them maybe, uh, but we'll <laughs> reap the benefits of it. And that the trump card is in terms of ethics is, hey, we got the cure for you name the disease. And to me, that's just not worth it. It's really not. Yeah. In that case, Trump is a bit of a, 
play on words given Operation Warp Speed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but this is much broader than just the just the pandemic. For example, absolutely. I, I, I know that you're aware of this. You said off off camera that you've actually consulted with with Canadian authorities on yeah. on the influence of China. Uh, but mm-hmm. what what has been revealed in Canada? I don't know if you've been following this in your country, but um, there there is now proven documented interference by China in each of our last two national elections in 2019. Yeah. And, and 2021, and in fact, uh, there's a paper trail showing that yeah. they specifically supported the party uh, that has been kept in power, that has been yeah. uh, imposing uh, essentially policies that many Canadians disagree with, that are right out of the World Economic Forum UN 2030 agenda that seems to be, uh, uh, shall I say, the the tip of the whip of Chinese hegemony in the mm-hmm. world. So, yeah. so, uh, and part of what you talk about in the book is, um, you know, we talk about China's race to control life, but really it's China's race to control everything, isn't it? Right, right, right. And they're starting with the literal building blocks of life and they're working up from there. They're scaling up. Um, the important thing to note, so what I, I, I didn't directly consult with the Canadian government. What happened was I was brought into a U.S. base that had a Canadian contingent. Right. And I briefed both elements, but I was not brought in by the Canadian government. But while I was talking, you know, afterward, we do this little confab afterward where I sort of chat with the top leaders, sort of informal. But the the lead general there was retiring. He was a Can- the, the Canadian contingent general. And he came up to me and he he basically just started complaining about how much influence China has. And he said, you can't depend on us as long as you know who's in charge in Canada. Yeah. And I said, I got it. I got it. And he said, no, I'm not just saying because I disagree with him politically. He said, I'm saying because I think this guy is compromised and I think yeah. his party is. And then, of course, now you have these reports of actual yeah. paper trails. Um, and so if you if you look at what China's doing in terms of Canada, it's not just Canada, it's um, other elements of the five eyes. So the five eyes is the very powerful intelligence sharing network, United States, Canada, Britain, New Zealand, Australia. Um, that goes back to the Cold War. It's one of the reasons why we were able to stay competitive with the Soviet Soviet Union and beat them was that Five Eyes Alliance. That Five Eyes Alliance is a threat to China now, or at least that's what China thinks. So they're targeting individual members of the Five Eyes, the weakest members they think. And I'm sorry to say Canada is one of those weakest members in their eyes. The other one is New Zealand. And so if you look at what they're doing in Canada, they're doing the same thing in New Zealand. They were trying to do it in Australia and it was working until COVID. And then COVID was unleashed. And it was the Australians who said, no, this came from a lab. And we want you to tell us why. And then suddenly Australia became one of the hawkish, most hawkish members of the uh, Anglo alliance against China. Mm-hmm. But but Canada and New Zealand, unfortunately, are viewed as the low hanging fruit that China will pluck. And they are. And China has a lot of people involved in Canada that is trying to gain access and influence to your government. And they've been very effective. And I worry they're going to be more effective the longer that uh, Mr. Trudeau remains in power and that his party does. Yeah, you know, the, in fact, uh, the there's a, a woman who is the the leading candidate in the polls to become the new mayor of Toronto, and many people are saying that she is in fact a Chinese asset. This yes, this, I've heard this. This yes. this weakness of Canada in the eyes of China, perhaps the world. Do you suspect that's part of the reason why? Canada and New Zealand are being shut out of some of these new military alliances? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's 100%. It's a self-defense thing. And, you know, it's it's very scary from a U.S. perspective because you've always been our peace. Well, not always, yeah. I should say. World's longest um, unguarded border. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, there is a history that precedes the 20th century in which Canada and the United States were not on friendly terms. Yes. And in a worst case scenario, it could go back to that where we were a bit frigid toward each other. Yeah. Um, I remember in 2016, I was part of a group when President Trump was elected, we were talking about building a, a, a proverbial wall, not just to the South, but to the North, because at the time I was saying we have a lot of issues with um, Al Qaeda and ISIS members sneaking across uh, our open border with Canada. They come into Toronto. They right. sort of hang out there. And then they come they come into our open border with the North. And then I was saying also there's a lot of Chinese mafia, Chinese organized crime interests that are doing the business of China's government and they're destabilizing our northern border. Um, I got a lot of flack from that. In fact, I got into it with a, a guy from near government, the defense ministry on Dan Damon's BBC show. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's been a problem for at least five to six years and it's not getting any better. And so I hate to say this, but we are going to need to start looking at Canada with a little bit more trepidation than I think we'd like to. Yeah, I know Tucker Carlson, for one, has been drawing a lot of attention <laughs> to it. One of the interesting things about uh, Biohack, your, your your book, coming back to it, is that uh, you actually propose, you don't you don't just talk about problems, you actually have a solution. You, Thank uh, you for I saying here, that, yes. You, you said in order to stop the threat, that you, you propose that the world's nations create a comprehensive set of treaties for regulating biotechnology research and development. Do you want to talk about this a little bit? Because yes. this is something that I that it was unique to your book and some of the other ones I've read about China I and about that. and about COVID, that you're actually proposing boots on the ground solutions. Yeah. And so I just want to say as a quick preface to that, um, thank you for saying that because for so long when I do these public talks, um, the media people want to fixate on the, the the heavy stuff I write about, which is the doom and gloom, the problem. They never talk about how always in my work in the back half, I try to provide solutions. It's all they all they want to talk yeah. about is all the problems I'm talking about. So thank you for, for opening. This. I actually did so read nice. the book. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know you did. I know. And I really appreciate that because, um, yes, I do propose actual solutions. And these are these are tangible solutions. These are not pie in the sky. So um, one of the things that I propose in the book is I identify one of the biggest problems we have with China is the fact that so many U.S. based tech firms in order to gain access, and this is true in the biotech, but it's 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 all technology areas. So it's not just biotech, it's quantum, it's AI, it's traditional computing, it's all of those, those high-tech areas. In order for those US-based firms to, to obtain access to China's market share, the Chinese Communist Party requires those companies to hand over proprietary intellectual property, and or I should say exclusive intellectual property. And these companies see only dollar signs, and so they happily do that, not really caring or realizing that what they're doing is effectively feeding the crocodile, hoping right. that it'll eat them last. Right. Um, but ultimately, it will eat them. And so what I propose is it doesn't require military action. And I say this to the military audiences and they look at me dumbfounded. I say, you know, it doesn't require bullets and bombs. It just requires Congress, which <laughs> I know is a problem. It requires Congress to simply redesignate all or most tech transfers as bribes under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. 
And once you've designated those as bribes, you now have will probably cut at least in half those tech transfers because these companies are doing these tech transfers not just to make money, but because there's no barrier to them. So right. if the Department of Justice were to raise those barriers to them, suddenly at least half of those companies would would at the very least slow down the tech transfers, probably stop them because risk increases. And when you increase risk on businesses, particularly big high tech ones, they don't want to deal with the headache. So they just won't do it at all. They might right. find new ways to work around the rules. But that's one big thing we can do is, is reclassifying those tech transfers as bribes under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Right. So this is interesting because you, you sort of segued into another topic I wanted to canvas with you, and that is this this idea of, uh, let's say, rampant uh, corruption in government, you know, the, the deep yeah. state, you know, the, the blob, whatever, by whatever yeah. euphemism you want to give it. This is a problem that uh, is, is very serious in Canada, as we talked about, but also um, the erosion of the rule of law is also something that mm -hmm. is very concerning that you that you touch upon somewhat in your in your book because that's really what 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 China is all about is disrupting the rule of law in in, right. in, in opposing nations. Right now mm -hmm. in the United States, uh, you know, a, a, a former president, the most recent president, who is the right. let's say the front runner or the main <laughs> opponent to President Bi President Biden in the in the next election. Uh, is being indicted. Yeah. And uh, I wonder, is there a connection between, uh, for example, China and foreign influence or global influence and uh, this unprecedented, or uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is an unprecedented uh, situation where, 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 the, where the reigning government's uh, main political opponent is actually being taken out through, through a state-led prosecution? Yeah. Um, so the first thing I will say is that uh, I believe that the charges against former President Trump, and I say this as a Floridian, uh, who's I'm I like DeSantis, but I like Trump as well. Uh, I supported Trump when he was president. You know, no questions asked. Um, but it is obvious that this is a these are politically charged investigations. It's very um, banana republic ish. Right. Uh, but I don't mean the clothing store. Um, so, you know, uh, this is not something that I would have ever believed in the darkest days of my life being in America. And I'm a millennial. I'm on the right. older side. But I'm a millennial. But, you know, we've had scandals in this country, um, you know, and it's nothing like what we're experiencing now. And there is a there it is, should be noted that, yes, technically, when it comes to the classified documents, it does look like Donald Trump did break some rules. Um, but it's in, unfathomable to think that this would be going on with any other president. Furthermore, that this is going on when the sitting president, Joe Biden, had actually engaged in the same behavior for far longer <laughs> for his, you know, yeah. a thousand years in government that he's, you know, the guy's older than George Washington. Uh, you know, <laughs> so uh, it's it's disgusting to me, this double standard. And I think most Americans and I'm sure Canadians looking from afar are probably seeing this as absolutely disgusting. Even if you hate Donald Trump, this should be appalling, um, not because he shouldn't necessarily get a slap on the wrist or something, but because they're clearly throwing the book at him. 
um, when, you know, the other guy that he's running against is not having anything happen to him. And you, you brought up China. And so I'm going to work this in here. I, I'm also a senior editor at a website called 1945.com. And I have been one of the people uh, uncovering this Hunter Biden, you know, global influence right. peddling scheme. Right. And the first thing that I became convinced by is that Joe Biden and that entire family, I call them the Biden syndicate. The Biden syndicate has been completely bought and paid for by the Chinese government. Um, right. And so I believe that that the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping in particular, is very much afraid generally of a Republican getting back into office. But specifically, I think they have a real jag against uh, President Trump. And I think they loosed COVID-19 in part because Trump had effectively waged a trade war on China in 2019. And I think now to keep him out of office, they're having their Manchurian candidate, Joe Biden, uh, the president <laughs> who mentally isn't there, uh, basically be their puppet in going after uh, Trump with all this legal psychodrama. Right. Um, part of this conversation, though, is something that uh, we talked about off the top of the show. I, I quoted that, made that quotation from from uh, President Trump about space, about, and, and he, and, and this is a segue into one of your other books called Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. This has a role to play in all of this, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, because this Absolutely. is the new frontier. My understanding is that, um, uh, and, and this is in your book. I, I, I read this one. It was a very fascinating and unique book. I've never, Thank you. I was not familiar with really any of this and I love learning new stuff. But here, uh, uh, when Donald Trump announced the creation of America's sixth branch of the military, the United States Space Force, um, many in Washington scoffed. But U.S. rivals in China, Russia, Iran that we're going to talk about and North Korea took notice. Why? Why is this space, this space, the final frontier, pardon the pun, why is this so important in this whole geopolitical game? Well, so as we say in the, as I say in the book, space is the ultimate strategic high ground, okay? And, in, yeah. and throughout history and warfare, whoever held the high ground usually was able to dominate, you know, the, the battle. For us to be a modern military force, we need to project power over vast distances. Our base, of course, is North America, which is far removed from Eurasia, particularly if we're talking about the Indo-Pacific, which is geographically a much greater expanse of of territory to cover. So you need satellites for pinpoint navigation. You need it for instantaneous communication. You need it for basically taking a military that like ours, highly advanced, but yet is relatively small. Uh, it's an expeditionary force. Less than 1% of the U.S. population is in the military. And of that 1%, a very small fraction actually are deployed in combat. So what gives them advantages over larger foes is technology and integration through satellites. Right. And so our enemies have, have figured that out. And they figured out that space is the the sine qua non, that which cannot be without um, for the U.S. and Canadian militaries to operate effectively. And yet those systems have been left dangerously vulnerable to attack and disruption. Mm -hmm. And so 
for the cost of a few million dollars, an anti-satellite kill vehicle or a laser or um, co-orbital satellite, which is a small satellite with grappling arms that latches on to one of our systems and physically pushes them out of the way so that they're rendered inoperable. Um, for for a few million dollars, these are relatively cheap methods. Uh, counter space is what it's called. They can basically, in about half an hour, uh, deprive the United States of its access to space in a conflict. And what that will do is that will render U.S. and Canadian and NATO and J Japanese and all the allied forces on Earth deaf, dumb, and blind. And in that strategic chaos, a country like China, which would be fighting closer to its territory over, say, Taiwan, would be able to very easily step forth and and sort of methodically enact its vicious plan while the Americans and their allies were still scrambling, trying to figure out mm -hmm. why they're deaf, dumb and blind. And so those mm -hmm. satellites are key. And beyond that, in winning space, it's that's the near term. But the longer term is even if there is no space Pearl Harbor, which is what I hope we can avoid with even without that, there is a new space race, notably between the United States and China. It's not just to take pretty pictures from the moon and to plant a flag on Mars. That's only part of it. It's to stay in those places. It's right. to put boots on the moon, boots on Mars, to put systems in the asteroid belt. Why? Because of space mining. And so the oh. flag, you know, I'm a geopolitical guy by training. That's what I did at the Institute of World Politics. I was geostrategy. Uh, the flag follows trade. And so the space mining sector is the wave of the future. It will be by the middle of this century, I believe, the dominant industry for Earth. And whoever is the first mover in that industry will have significant economic wow. gains, but also significant strategic advantages. And China wants to dominate the space mining industry. Wow. That is really fascinating. So let's finish off this way. Um, are there any books that you would recommend, not necessarily your own work, uh, mm -hmm. that would enhance uh, people's understanding of the work that you do, or, or do you think is, is a, perhaps just a very important book that people could read to get a better sense of, of, uh, of your work and the important things that, that we're facing geopolitically? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. I'm, I'm a, you know, I, the best, and I wouldn't say I'm the best, but I would say a decent writer is a great reader. And so I have definitely read a lot of books um, in terms of I'm actually in the middle of one right now. It's Orlando Fiji's new sure. book. He's a Russia expert. It's called The Story of Russia. And it's a very readable, brisk, but powerful history of Russia. My colleague at the Asia Times, David P. Gold. Goldman has a book, You Will Be Assimilated, which is all about China's push to dominate the fourth industrial revolution. You know, there's so many books out there that I have had the pleasure of reading and the authors I've actually had the pleasure of getting to know um, that it's too many to count. But I would say those are some good, good ones to start with. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Brandon, I know that uh, you have uh, your very active uh, writing. You have your own website. You would find a lot of them at, at the WeikertReport.com. Um, mm -hmm. Admittedly, I've stopped updating it about six months ago. Um, but if you were to just Google my name, you will find where I yes. write. And uh, follow me on Twitter, at WeTheBrandon. I'm um, a prolific, unfortunately, prolific tweeter. 
um, and um, have some rough elbows, I've been told, but uh, you have to on that site. But but I you know that's definitely uh, my website's a place you can find me, and I am going to get the Substack going eventually. Great. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure having you on the program. Uh, it's been really, a pleasure being. Thank I you. really enjoy your books, and uh, I wish you're you much, much you. continued success with everything that you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for being our special guest today on Great Matter. We're going to we're going to feature your books on Wonderful. our on thank our you. website. We have something called the reading list, so awesome. folks will be able to find them there. And I really urge people to read them. They're 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 brilliant. I, I really learned You're a lot. Very from kind. Them. Thank you. Thank you. I really I really appreciate that. That means a lot.